This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Bible study in the book of James tonight, if you would. James chapter 5, continue our series entitled Practical Christianity. Uh, and so tonight we find ourselves uh, uh, cruising through the book of James. Uh, we are, uh, this is message number 41 in our series. And so uh, we find ourselves uh, getting uh, started in chapter number 5. Last week we took a look at the deceitfulness of riches. And so I think it's important that we uh, answer the question tonight well, is it a sin to be rich. Is it wrong to be rich? So we'll take a look at that uh, here tonight. Before we jump in, I just want to say again, uh, welcome to uh, Sean and Joy Blakely and their family uh, over here, uh, our friends from Lancaster, California. I got, here's the thing, I got to look through my phone today, and these photos are too good not to share. So I got to share with some photos uh, that we got of, uh, of us in the Blakeleys together. Uh, hit it, Carla. There we go. Joy was Vanderlei's kindergarten teacher, right? Kindergarten. Uh, and so, uh, man... I remember dropping him off at Miss Blakely's class his very first day of school. And so uh, that's awesome. Uh, I don't think, Joy, I don't think you've aged at all. And so, uh, which is awesome. Uh, next, uh, we have a photo of uh, McKeeley and Cassidy. Uh, and so, uh, Cassidy, raise your hand so everybody knows which one you are. There you go. Uh, and so, uh, that's my daughter, McKeeley and Cassidy. They were at a, um, a missions conference in uh, National City, uh, which is in San Diego area, at the Bible Baptist Church, which Joy's dad was the pastor of. And so, uh, we were there for the missions conference. We got our girls, uh, who, who they had uh, grown up in, in at Lancaster Baptist Church together. Uh, and so, that was a blessing. And then we have, uh, I think the, the next photo we have, oh yeah, just a side-by-side -side that we took today. A <laughs> little bit of a change. Uh, and so... Now, mind you, uh, Van was almost Joy's height in kindergarten, uh, so she, she, she's not a tall woman, but uh, uh, here, and here's the, the photo we have of me and Sean. Yeah, we don't have anything. Uh, guys don't take photos of stuff like that together for whatever reason, so uh, we don't have any photos of me and Sean together, but here's the thing. We were both strikingly handsome uh, and incredibly wise back then, so, uh, but uh, the, the Blakeleys are awesome. Here's why I share that with you guys tonight, not just because I had photos on my, my camera roll today, but because this. The, the longer that you serve Jesus in life, the friends that you have that are still serving Jesus 20, 30 years down the road get smaller and smaller. Uh, but when people that you haven't seen in, you know, 10 years or so, uh, Avalon, she was the size of a loaf of bread the last time I saw her. Uh, and so you haven't seen them in 10 years. What are they, still, what are they doing these days? They're just still serving Jesus, uh, still Lancaster Baptist Church, still sharing their faith, still sharing the gospel. Uh, Sean oversees the, the campus uh, security ministry there, and uh, he's got a group of folks that work with him. They're just faithful serving Jesus. And so uh, I love, love, love that. So uh, if, you, if you get a chance tonight, be sure to stop by and say aloha to the Blakeleys. Uh, we served in the single adults ministry together. They were kind of our, our helpers that we had in that ministry, and they were such a blessing to us. Uh, they just have a heart for Jesus. And so, uh, again, uh, if you get a chance to say uh, hello to them, uh, this is their first time as a family to, to Hawaii. So, we're glad to have you guys with us uh, for sure. So, James chapter 5 tonight. Is it a sin to be rich? Uh, this could be a really short message, and I could just say no, uh, but that wouldn't be any fun, would it? Uh, so, my life always reminds me of this Sweetheart, no one has ever complained about getting out of church early. That's what she says to me. I don't know if it's supposed to be an encouragement or what, but um, uh, amen, thank you. Um, 
But I'll, I'll go so far as to say this. I don't know that tonight will be one of those nights, but uh, we can hope, can't we? Uh, anyways, James chapter 5, uh, starting verse number 1. The Bible speaks a lot about being rich, a lot. <laughs> Very few times does it re- speak of being rich in a positive sense. Uh, and so that should give us a little bit uh, uh, of cause to, to stop for a moment and take a look at what the Bible says uh, about being rich. Uh, James chapter 5, uh, starting verse number 1 through verse number 6. Go to now, you rich man, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and you shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You've heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which you've kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 4 talks about getting uh, money and becoming rich by way of stealing from people and doing things that are unethical and immoral. Verse 5, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of a slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. So here we see a, a, a challenge given to the rich people. Now, it's important to understand that the word rich is a relative term, right? Uh, my kids, for example, would be not so rich compared to the average American. But my kids, compared to kids in a third world country, would be fabulously wealthy, comparatively speaking. So again, in terms of how much you make or how much you earn or how much you have in the bank compared to the average American most of us probably wouldn't consider ourselves rich. But compared to what you make, compared to the rest of the world, of the other 7 billion people on planet Earth, most of us would be in a category of rich, if not fabulously wealthy, compared to the rest of the world. Uh, Again, I mentioned this last week, but it bears repeating. Half of the world's population, that's 3.5 billion people, live on less than $2 a day. So if you see $60 come across your bank account in a given month, you're in the top 50 percentile richest people in the world. If you make more than $1,000 a month, I forget the exact statistics, but it puts you in like the top 25th percentile richest people in the world, 1000 bucks, which we would say poverty line in America, right? So again, rich is a relative term, so I think it's safe to say this for the sake of tonight's message. Just about every single person in this room would be considered rich by world standards. So let's just take that first of all. Now the question is, what does God expect of those who are rich? How should they use their riches? How should they use their wealth? Should it be to increase uh, their standard of living? Should it be to increase their comforts? Should it be to increase their wealth? Or should it be to increase the kingdom? Again, is it a sin to be rich? The answer to that would be no, with probably a little asterisk beside it, depending on exactly what that means. But you take a look at Abraham. Abraham, at the time when God told him to pick up and and leave and go wherever God told him to go, Abraham would have been considered a fabulously wealthy man at that time. I mean, this guy had servants, he had cattle, he had land. He had people that were looking after his cattle for him. And when he left, he basically had a train of people that were moving with him. It wasn't just Abraham and Sarah like packed a backpack and took off on their own. No, no, no. Like they went where with lots of stuff. When Jacob and Esau received their birthright from their father, Jacob got a lot. Esau didn't get a whole lot because he sold it out for a, a bowl of soup. 
when it came down to it, he was fabulously wealthy. You take a look at somebody like Joseph, sold into slavery, dirt poor, no money whatsoever, raised up to be second in the kingdom of Egypt, which at the time was one of the wealthiest empires in the world at that time. Jacob is number, or Joseph is number two in command there. I think we could say, be safe to say that Joseph was wealthy. He was so wealthy that he could say to his brothers, hey, go pick up dad and come out here because I'm going to make sure you eat and you never go hungry again for the rest of your life. That's how wealthy he would have been. When you think of Solomon, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 22, and Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. If there was anybody on planet earth that had ever been rich before Solomon, he surpassed that. And if you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, man, I sought riches and I got it. I love to read through Solomon's uh, self-assessment that he gives. He was like, hey, I threw parties. And if I wanted men singers, I got men singers. If I had women singers, I wanted women singers. If I wanted pools of water, I made pools of water. If we wanted to drink or have a feast, we drank and we had a feast. Whatever your eye could behold, I had it. But then what did he say? And all was vanity. It was all worthless. It meant nothing. It had no value attached to it. It was problematic. So, Important things to understand about riches and wealth. First of all, God is the source of wealth. If you have two nickels to rub together today, it's because God gave them to you. The Bible says that God owns everything, and if you have something, it's on loan to you by God. Again, you might be so arrogant to think like you earned your wealth by being rich or by being smart or cunning or wise, or smart with your money, or things like that. But please understand, there's been wiser people than you that wound up dead broke. There's people that were smarter with their money than you were, and, and, and they were broke. So if you have anything to your name, understand that it was given to you by God himself, because he is the God of all wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to the fathers as it is this day. So whoever is rich is rich, understand this, because God has allowed it. Now it's important to sometimes answer the questions that come up in our minds like, hey, I'm trying to serve Jesus with my life and I'm not rich. And you got people that are stupid rich who reject God. What's up with that? Well, again, rich being a relative term. Rich in what? Dollars? Is that your only measuring stick for what's rich? Or do you value things like peace? Do you value things like relationships? Do you value things like time? I think any of us, if we had the opportunity to choose $10,000 or 10 more years on our life, I think it would be kind of an easy thing to, to choose, don't you think? No, when I was like 21, I'd have been like, I could totally take $10,000 right now, right? But I think as time goes on, it's just like, hey, money doesn't mean a whole lot if you don't have other things. So again, you need to focus on two people that are haters of God or reject God that are, are rich in money. Please understand that's all they're getting. Because the moment they take their last breath here on planet Earth, it's nothing but wrath and judgment from then on out. Again, you can have your money if I can have eternal life. 
And so again, it's very difficult for rich people to trust in God. That's why Jesus says it's easier for uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. Because rich people haven't figured out. They don't need God. They've got everything uh, covered. They've got themselves taken care of. But when God blesses, there's no downside to that. You see, if you and I fight, claw, steal to make money, we do what James is talking about. We cheat people that work for us to get riches. We put our trust in riches. Then there's a downside of that. Guess what? Your riches will rot. Solomon found that one of these days he's going to die and leave all of his riches to somebody else who might not even be a wise man. We took a look at that last week. And there's a downside to getting that wealth. But here's the thing. When God blesses you because you've been faithful, when God blesses you because he's been gracious, there's no downside to that. I love what Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 22 says. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. Man, I want God's blessings with no downside. I want God to have his hand of blessing on my life and there be no sorrow with it. I don't want to make a lot of money and have my kids hate my guts. I don't want to make a lot of money and lose my marriage in the process. I don't want to make a lot of money but not have any friends to enjoy it. I don't want to make a lot of money and never have the time to actually do anything with it. I want the riches that God gives. Well, what if God doesn't give you riches? Then I'm content with that because that's not what my heart was set on to begin with. Here's the thought that I love from Psalm 62. If God blesses, he blesses, but we don't seek riches. Please understand this. If you set out to be rich, you're a fool. If you set out to make money, make wealth, drive fancy cars, buy lots of stuff, Receive the praise of other people. First of all, you're an absolute fool. You just need to honor God. You need to be wise. You need to work hard. You need to have character. You need to have integrity. And here's what the Bible says in Psalm 62. If God makes you rich, then he makes you rich. But don't set your heart on those things. Psalm 62, verse number 10. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Hey, if God gives me 10,000 bucks this month, I'm thankful for it. But I'm not going to set my heart on making 10,000 bucks this month. Hey, if God blesses me and the work that I've given, man, I'm going to be pleased with that. If he doesn't, I'm still pleased with what God ever chooses to do. Now, again, I don't think this means we shouldn't be wise with stewarding our finances or things like that. Again, I have a Roth IRA and some money set aside in retirement. I have some, uh, a handful of stocks that I've invested in that are doing absolutely poorly like every other stock on the planet at this time. But I'm thankful that I didn't desire to be rich and invest my money in an unwise fashion. Man, you just Google cryptocurrency crash. And, man, it's gotten bad out there in the last month. Of all these people who were buying Lamborghinis and making YouTube videos about all the money they'd made through Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and this coin and that coin and stuff like that, and it all fell apart. It was a house of cards. And I, again, I, I'm not a, a big, um, uh, I don't know everything about things like that, like cryptocurrency and stuff like that. I'm not an expert. That's the word I was looking for. But here's what I do know. It looks a lot like a Ponzi scheme to me. 
I don't, I don't know nothing about nothing, but like you got a bunch of people that say bye, 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 and the people that were in at the beginning got really rich and they cashed out and then everybody else was left with something that's worthless. But again, what was the problem with that? Was the problem that cryptocurrency isn't a stable version of currency? Probably so, but the bigger problem with that was the people who thought they could make a buck and get rich really, really quickly. Now again, if you invest in stock and you do it wisely and God blesses that, man, be thankful for that. If you, if you invest in stock and you lose it all, guess what? Be thankful for that. But the Bible says, set not your heart upon riches. Hey, if God blesses, God blesses. If he doesn't, I just trust him anyways. So when we talk about being rich, I want to encourage you this. Pursue true riches. Please understand, the value of the dollar these days, it's terrible. I, I read an article this past week. It says for the first time the uh, the euro and the U.S. dollar are almost equal. I didn't know what, how to interpret that because I don't know a lot about world finance. I don't think that's good, though. But I guess it's good depending on which side of the exchange rate you lie on, right? But here's the thing. A dollar doesn't go as far this year as it did last year. Certain areas, inflation has hit like 20 to 25%. Here in Hawaii, man, we're, we're stuck like Chuck. You're out in the middle of the ocean on an island somewhere. You get what you get, you know. And, and when it's gone, it's gone. I mentioned this a, a few weeks ago. But my wife had, had asked me to go to, to Long's and buy milk because we were out. And I, th- I said, we shouldn't buy milk at Long's. It's going to be super expensive. But it, it was one of those days you had them before. Like just like blinking your eyelids takes like more energy than you have, you know. And it's just like one step in front of the other. It's just like, I mean, like slogging up a mountain. I was exhausted like that. And my wife's like, we have to have milk tonight. It's just like, okay, fine. I'm going to go to Long's. And I'm going to buy this smallest container of milk that they have to get us through 24 hours. And you can go to the grocery or Costco or get wherever milk is cheap. Costco or Sam's Club is usually where we go for milk. And so I go into to Long's. Mind you, I am utterly exhausted in just every single st- step that I take to the freezer is it takes every bit of willpower that I have. I stand there and I look at the thing before I even put my hand on the handle because I'm thinking to myself, all right, I got to really work myself up for this lift that I'm getting ready to do. Right? I'm getting ready to pull the door open. I finally get up enough strength to open the door and I look down and there are no small containers of milk. There's only gallons. A gallon is what we got. I look $10.65 for a gallon of milk. And I shut, the, I, I shut it back. And I know what my wife's going to say. Go down to Foodland downstairs and get milk there. Because it's what? $8.50 there? And so then I begin to do the math in my head. Am I really willing to walk down the escalator <laughs> a quarter way around the mall Wait in line at Foodland to save what? $2? So for the first and last time in my life, I spent $10.65 on a gallon of milk. I just wasn't doing it. But I thought to myself, how did we get here? Like, I remember being a kid and my mom would send me into Pappy's Mini Mart. At Pappy's. Gallon of milk was like $2.15. And we buy two at a time because me and my brother go through like a gallon of milk a day. I thought to myself, how am I paying $10 for a gallon? You know why? Because a dollar isn't what it used to be. Some of you are old enough to remember that you could take a penny and put it in a gumball machine and get a gumball for a penny. It's like, 
<laughs> I was getting my hair cut the other day, and they had a vending machine there. I thought, oh, I don't have a quarter on me, but if I did, I would buy some of those M&Ms. No, it's 50 cents for a little handful of M&Ms now. What? <laughs> 50 cents? you got to be kidding me. Why? Because whatever you think is valuable isn't valuable anymore. <laughs> I, I remember when I bought term life insurance for myself. I thought to myself, if I die, my wife gets a half million dollars. You know what she'll do? She'll buy a house, pay cash, and then she'll live for the next several years on $350,000, right? <laughs> now, if I fall over dead and she gets $500,000, you know what she'll be able to do? Put a down payment on a mortgage, and then her payments due the first of the month. Like, why? Because riches don't last. What used to be appealing is no longer appealing. It's a, it's a sliding scale. It's a moving target. I don't know if you got the good news that Hawaii is the most expensive state in the United States as a whole to live in. Median home price in Honolulu, I think it's like, just hit like 1.2 or 1.3 million dollars. Median. So what do you do with that? You don't set your heart on riches. If God blesses, he blesses. If he doesn't, he doesn't. If you get a house, man, you're blessed. If you don't have a, a house, you're blessed. The problem is when we seek after these things. So do this. Pursue true riches. What are true riches? First of all, the word of God. God's word is rich. You got the word of God, consider yourself fabulously wealthy. Colossians 3.16, here's what Paul challenged the church at Colossae with. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Here's what Paul says. There's a lot of wealth in the Word of God. And not only reading the Bible, but also singing the Bible. Not only singing the Bible, singing the Bible with other Christians, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Like the language that we use is music to communicate the riches of the Word of God. Money, that's not impressive. The Word of God, creator God of the universe spoke to you, 66 books directly that you have on you at your person, that's valuable. You see, we take it for granted though. If you haven't read the book Outsiders written by my pastor in California, you've got to read it. Outstanding book. But there's a chapter on William Tyndale. If you haven't had a chance to study the story of William Tyndale, you should. Fabulous guy. He made a commitment that he would translate the Bible into English so that every person could read it in their own language. You and I have in our hands a copy of the English Bible because of William Tyndale's work. Like 75% of the King James Bible that we use here at Huikala was written by William Tyndale. One guy. That's impressive. But here's the thing. Hasn't always been the case. Did you know that there are people groups around the world today that still don't have a Bible in their own language? Still. And you and I what? I don't know about you, but I probably own maybe three dozen Bibles that are mine personally. Like I go somewhere and somebody gives me a Bible. You know, I'm in a store and it's like, ooh, I like this Bible. I found one with a nice leather calf skin, soft, like, like bendy. Like, ooh, I need that. But then you get it and you open it up to read your devotions and it starts to close on itself. Then you realize, no, I need a lay flat Bible when I do my devotions, right? And then you're writing stuff and the margins are kind of cramped and you realize like, no, I need a wide margin Bible is what I need, right? <laughs> and some of you don't know this yet, but I'm going to help you with it because I'm a, I'm a Bible connoisseur. When you get a wide margin Bible on the side, 
it makes the Bible that you carry wider as well. Like, the first, like, extra wide margin Bible, I thought, man, I'm going to write uh, essays in the, the corners of my Bible. I got it. It was like a family Bible. Like, yeah, I was like, carry it like this, you know, like two people carrying it. It's like, you take it out of the box, it's this two-person lift on the box. You're like, ah. But it's like, I have like three dozen Bibles. Did you know that there are people in the world that have never held a copy of the Bible in their own hands? And you and I, what, I buy, I buy one because it has bigger margins? But don't read it. I mean, it's just, it's nice to have. You know, no, 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 it's rich. It's the Word of God. And, and again, we used to say to people like, oh, come to church, I'll give you a copy of the Bible. Now I can say, hey, download an app on your phone. You can have the Word of God in your hands in 30 seconds. We've never had that in the history of mankind. Do you realize how rich we are? But please, again, tell me why you want to chase more money somewhere else. You haven't found true riches yet until you found the Word of God. Other riches you should chase knowing God. Romans chapter 11, verse number 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. I was talking with some men uh, before the service tonight, and uh, John Stoker brought up something that I thought was fabulous. Again, John's just got a, a great way with words. He's a teacher, and he just, he just blesses my soul. He said this. He said, we want to grow in our knowledge of Bible and Bible doctrine because it helps us to know, grow in the knowledge of God, and it helps us to love God more. And I thought, man, that is so powerful. I want to know Bible doctrine because I want to love God more. I want to know God. Let me help you with something. There's a difference of knowing about God and actually knowing God, okay? People come to our church all the time, and I say, Hey, I'm Pastor Anthony. And they say, oh, I already know. I, I've been to your website. I heard you grew up in Kentucky. I heard you joined the Navy. I heard you in the, in the intel field. I heard you got four kids. I see one of your kids right over there. And where's your beautiful wife, Angela? And she's like, you don't know me. Stop acting like you know me. You don't know me. You know facts about me, but you don't really know me. What do I like on my pizza? What's my favorite type of candy? What's my favorite movie? What's the latest five books that I've read? Just name one out of the five. Just name them. You can't because you don't know me. Sometimes people think, I know facts about God, so I know God. No, knowing God requires learning more than just facts about him. It requires spending time with him. That's where the riches are found. That's where the good stuff is found. Knowing God. Chase after that. Not another dollar. Please. Knowing God, that's where the riches are found. You want to chase after something else that will make you rich? Here's this, wisdom. Proverbs chapter 5, verse number 7. The wisest man to ever walk the face of the planet other than Jesus said this. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. You want to be rich, be rich in wisdom. Did you know that it's possible to have lots of money and still be a fool? I think that would probably be the case of most rich people that I know. Again, if you have the capability to, be, to buy anything in the world you want and you just keep buying stuff thinking it'll make you happy, you're a fool. If you 
have a lot of money, but you've never invested a, a nickel in the kingdom, you're a fool. Now, again, I'm thankful for billionaires who have philanthropic efforts, although sometimes I question motives. <laughs> I'm thankful for people who want to do good for people around the world, people that are underprivileged and things like that. But again, hey, look, at the end of the day, that stuff doesn't make you wise. If anything, being rich from a financial perspective actually clouds your wisdom. I challenge you this. You want to be rich, be wise. And here's the awesome thing about wisdom. If you want it, there's only one thing you got to do to get it. You know what it is? Anybody help? Somebody help me. Ask. You want wisdom? Ask. God gives to men wisdom liberally. Lots of it. You want wisdom? Just pray for it. Ask God to make you wise. And here's the awesome thing. This goes out to, to our young people here tonight, too. Wisdom isn't all about being older. Because, again, I know old people that are incredibly foolish. And I know 9 and 10-year-olds that are ridiculously wise. What's the difference? Biblical application is the difference. And be rich in wisdom. Be rich in the Word of God. Be rich in knowing God. That's where good stuff is found. I don't respect somebody based on the paycheck that they make. I don't respect somebody based on the type of car they drive. I don't respect somebody based on the college that they went to or what kind of degree they have. I have great respect for people who love Jesus and love the Word of God. That gets my heart. That gets me fired up. That causes me to respect somebody. I don't respect a man that makes a ridiculous amount of money and leaves his family to fend for themselves. Oh, dad's gone for six months or nine months or a couple of years, but I'm bringing home the bacon. You don't have to worry about college. Your kids don't want their college to get paid for. Your kids want dad home for dinner on Monday night. Kids want to know if dad's coming to baseball practice on Thursday. That's what your kids want. I have great respect for men that lead their family well, women that lead their family well. i got a ridiculous amount of respect for single moms who don't have a dad to lead, so they take on the role of mom and dad at the same time and have their children in church and teach them about Jesus. Man, that's rich right there. Your bank account might not reflect it, but those are the rich people right there. That's the good stuff. You want to be rich? Be rich in relationships. I heard somewhere once upon a time, I don't know if it's true or not, I, I think I read it on the internet, so it must be true, <laughs> that the average person has five or less friends. And on the surface, that sounds super sad, but most people aren't part of an incredible church family either. I get it. I, I think five for most people that I know that aren't Christians would be, five would be a stretch, especially if you're an adult. It's easy to have friends when you're in high school or maybe in college, but like when you get down to like real deal adult life, having close friends is tough, but it's worth the investment. Please understand though, everything that, I, that I'm mentioning here, knowing God, being in God's word, wisdom, relationships, all these are investments that you have to make first. These aren't things that are just given to you. You have to seek out these things and desire them. Relationships is the same. The Bible says if any man should have friends, he should show himself what? Friendly. You got to put yourself out there. You got to be willing to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to say, hey, and I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone and be a blessing to someone. You wonder why we have a 10-minute greeting time at Huikala three times a Sunday? You know why? Relationships. That's why. 
the early church in the book of Acts, they fellowshiped. It generally was them sitting down around a meal or sitting around after uh, they'd studied the Bible, after they'd prayed and just hung out and spent time with each other because they didn't have anywhere else to go. Many of them had lost their jobs. Many of them would live with other Christians because they'd been disowned by their families. So all they had was each other. We don't have that luxury here. So usually when I say you're dismissed, man, there's people who run for the door. And some, I'm not saying anybody who runs the door is a bad person. I'm saying sometimes you got stuff you got to be at, places you got to go. I get it. But we don't take time to make relationships. So that's why we have a fellowship time built into the service. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> well, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You can't go to the bathroom every week. There's 52 Sundays. We're going to catch up with you eventually, and you're not getting away. Get this. When you leave church, there's one exit. You've got to walk past me to get out of church. Like, hey. Now, again, sometimes that makes people feel, oh, I feel really uncomfortable about it. Hey, fellowship is part of the Christian life. Relationships is part of the Christian life. That's why, again, we place a high importance on discipleship. You and another Christian studying the Bible together. You need that. That's why we place a high importance on small groups. You need to get together with the same people, pray every week, study the Bible together every single week. That's what Christians do. You need to do it. This is why, let me just say this. This is why online church is not real church. Because you're missing the relationship component of the body of Christ. If you got Facebook on while you're making cupcakes in the kitchen, who are you fellowshipping with? Whose burden are you bearing while you dip the little toothpick in there to see if your cupcakes are done while you're listening to the message in the background? Please tell me who you're serving at that moment. Tell me where your giving and investment is in that moment. Uh, oh, we give online, we watch online. That's not church. This isn't. Is it a stopgap, like, oh, I've got COVID, i got to stay home for two weeks? By all means, watch online. Hey, we're traveling, and the place that we're going to doesn't have a, a solid church. Hey, by all means, watch online. Oh, we don't really feel like making the drive and finding parking on Sunday morning, so we're going to watch online. You can watch whatever you want, but don't call it church. It requires you to be connected with the body of Christ. It's just part of it. And you say, well, I don't agree with that. Then you disagree with the Bible. Relationships, though, are rich. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 22, seeing that you've purified your soul by obeying the truth of the Spirit and the unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you have love one another with a pure heart fervently. First John chapter 3, verse number 14, we know this, that we pass from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. He's a love of his brother that abideth in death. Here's what John says. This is, if somebody heard somebody preach this on a Sunday morning and it wasn't in the Bible, we would call John crazy. Hey, here's how I know that you're saved. Here's how I know that I'm talking to Christians, people that have been born again this morning. It's just like, ooh, what's he going to say? They prayed the sinner's prayer. Ooh, what's he going to say? That they tithe. Ooh, what's he going to say? The proof of a real Christian. Here's what he says. Your love one for another. Your love for other Christians proves whether or not you're saved or not. Hmm. Well, I don't agree with that. Then you disagree with John. John says it, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God says it. Love for other Christians is proof that you're saved. You say, well, that's not my nature. Good, because it's not about your nature, but it's about you receiving a new nature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are become new, becoming a new creature. It's not my nature either. And so I asked God to change me, and guess what he did? Because he always does. Be rich in relationships. Be rich in doing good. 
Timothy chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 18. They that do good, they that be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Paul tells Timothy, hey, find people that are rich in good works. Just doing the right thing. Helping out wherever necessary. Man, for, for me, and again, this isn't for everybody because it, it might be a safety issue and stuff like that for some people. But hey, if I generally see somebody with broke down on the side of the road, I usually pull over and try to help. Man, some lady's out changing a tire on the side of the road. Hey, can I help? Somebody needs jumper cables. I carry jumper cables in my car. Not because my car always breaks down, but because I want to be a help to other people. I want to be ready to be a blessing. You know why? Because after I'm able to give somebody a jump start on their car, you know what's coming next? An invitation to who we call a Baptist church. You say, well, you've got an agenda. Yeah, it's called the Great Commission. 100%. I'm not going to try to co- cover that up. Yeah, I have an agenda. It's called the Great Commission. Go win, baptize, teach. Yeah, 100%. Agenda. Call it what you want. But here's the thing, get this, if we just do good works for the sake of good works, then we're just another group of of happy people, right? If we're not doing our good works to magnify Jesus, if we're not doing our good works so that they might see our deeds and glorify our Father which is in heaven, we're just another group of happy people that are doing happy stuff. But that's not us. We want to be rich in good works because that's where the good stuff is found because it glorifies our Father. You want to be rich, be rich in this. And this is hard for people who really want to be financially rich. Find richness and contentment. Get this. Wisest, richest dude to ever live. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 22. He that hasteth to be rich or in a hurry to be rich has an evil eye. And considers not the poverty that shall come upon him. You're trying to be rich. Hey, look, you're looking at the wrong thing. And just know you're getting ready to be broker than you've ever thought in your life. Well, that's not true. I know people who have sought to get rich and they got really rich. Their poverty probably wasn't financial. Their Their poverty was likely relational. Their poverty was likely at the expense of doing good. Their poverty was or the poverty was probably as a result of a lack in time in the word of God. So again, just be content. I mean, if God makes you rich, God blesses you, bless other people with what God's given you. My wife and I, we made a decision, man, probably 15 years ago. We're going to get out of debt. We're not having a credit card. We're not having a car payment. Anything we buy, we buy in cash. Any money that we have set aside at the end of the month automatically goes into savings. And while we use our savings for things like family vacations, we use our savings for things like, you know, Christmas to buy gifts and things like that, we have a good chunk of our savings set aside to bless other people. Somebody needs groceries. My wife and I have bought groceries for people and dropped them off their house before. Somebody's car broke down on them. Sometimes I tell them to take it to my mechanic, and I call my mechanic and say, hey, put it on my, my debit card. Well, yeah, well, I don't have that kind of money. We don't either. But I do it because I want to be rich in contentment. Hey, look, I'd a whole lot rather put tires on somebody's car that's struggling to make ends meet than I would go out and buy myself a, you know, new pair of tennis shoes. Oh, there's these new Jordans that just dropped. They're like 500 bucks. You can't get them anywhere. You should totally buy them. Please, man. 
please. $500? I could bless, you know how many people I could bless with $500? You know, we have, we're getting ready to take on three missionary projects, and one of those is going to be uh, our, our missions giving during Vacation Bible School for our kiddos next week. Um, but, man, can you think of what my money can do around the world? Our church collectively, because of our giving, we bought chairs for a church in Ethiopia that people sit in every single week and hear the gospel. In Ethiopia. You know the awesome thing is? I saw the chairs that they bought with the money that we sent, which is a blessing. You know what the chairs look like? Exactly like the ones you're sitting in right now. I thought, yes! These are the best folding chairs known to man, except when they snap. Uh, but... But here's what I thought. I can help a missionary buy chairs on the mission field in Ethiopia, or I can buy something really nice for myself. That's kind of a no-brainer for me, I'll just be honest with you. You know why? Because a long time ago I set aside materialism and I confessed it to God. I set aside a desire to be rich, and I gave that over to God. And God has made me rich and word, and wisdom, and relationships, and contentment, because I've tried, not perfect, I've tried really hard to set my heart on true riches. And this is a final thought, again, this, all this ties in with the will of God from chapter 4. Understand this, when James wrote this letter to the Christians that were scattered abroad, he didn't write chapter and verse delineations, we don't find that in the Bible anywhere. So we have to assume that, again, those things are there so that we can say, turn to James chapter 5, verse number 1, and we all know where that's at. But please understand, when James wrote this, he didn't be like, okay, that was chapter 4, let's get started on chapter 5. What am I thinking, chapter 5? Oh, yeah, yeah, rich, being rich, yeah, let's talk about No, he went straight from, hey, we're going to go here, we're going to buy, we're going to sell, we're going to get game, we're going to do that for a year, we're going to become fabulously wealthy, but you forgot your life is short and you haven't even considered the will of God. And some of you are rich and you cheated and stolen to get those riches and you need to be really careful because God's coming and he's going to take vengeance on those who get rich at the expense of other people. All that's connected. And so it's important for you and I as we seek to discern the will of God, don't follow money as the key indicator of God's will. Oh, yeah, I mean, if we stayed in Hawaii, I mean, I would have to take a cut on my salary. Oh, if we stayed in Hawaii, what I can get for, you know, $750,000 isn't comparable to what I can get for $750,000 in, you know, Mississippi. Okay. Is money the only key indicator of God's will? Oh, here's the thing. If you could buy a house for $250,000 here and your salary was double what you think it is, would it be God's will that you'd stay here? Oh, absolutely, that'd be God's will. So really the only thing determining God's will for many people is money. And let me just tell you this. While God is the owner of everything, please don't think for a split second that the devil can't manipulate money himself. Think about that for a second. Is it possible that the devil would tempt you with riches to get you off track of what God's will is? Absolutely. <laughs> There's a guy, I'd gone to Bible college, if I said the name Sean would know precisely who I'm talking about. We got to Bible college in uh, 2003, and uh, we were we got in there a, a couple of, a month or so early before things started. And so I was helping with some projects. I was painting the back hallway of one of the auditoriums that was there, talking with another guy. He was a married college student, also uh, preparing for a life of ministry. 
planning on being a pastor. God had called him to plant churches in Southern California. He's going to be a church planner, and his wife is going to be a pastor's wife, things like that. And so I uh, got closer to, to school starting, and there was a, a grocery worker strike in Southern California at the time. And he worked for a grocery store. Uh, and they had told him, the management of the grocery store that wasn't part of the union said, if you're willing to, to, be, uh, you know, to break the line, we're willing to make you a store manager over this bonds. Uh, I think it was in Palmdale or Lancaster, one of the two. And he said to me, Anthony, look, I can make three times my salary by becoming the manager of this grocery store. He goes, but I won't be able to go back to Bible college this year. I won't be able to do that because the hours need me to work, I just can't go to Bible college. So I'm going to have to sit out for a year so that I can make this money. And I just challenged him. Hey, dude, I don't know that that's God's will. If you came here to prepare for ministry, you need to prepare for ministry. No, no, this is a great chance to, here it goes. Take care of my family. Okay, man, I can't tell you what to do. Guess what? Took the job, dropped out of Bible college, never went back. Him and his wife's marriage struggled. Why? Because he's now the manager of the store. He's getting calls at all hours of the night. He's staying later than he has to. He's on salary now. Uh, he's in the middle of a strike. He was working, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. Never got a chance to uh, get involved in ministry. Fast forward, man, 20 years later now. He's in church, I, I hear. Not really serving Jesus with his life. Definitely not serving as a pastor. Never planted a single church. What was it that got him off track? Money. Now again, well-intentioned. But please understand that money is not always the key indicator of God's will. Uh, I was emailing with a, a man who used to attend church here several years ago, and he's looking forward to, to, towards retirement. And I asked him, I say, hey, would you consider retiring in Hawaii and just helping us at who we call up, Sir Jesus? And here's what he said. I could never afford to live in Hawaii. And I emailed him back this. <laughs> Get this. Well, a million other people on our island have figured it out. I'm sure you could make it work. Hey, if it's where God wants you to be, will God work it out? The answer to that is yes. Oh, but I could have so much more money. That's not always God's will. Uh, Pastor Chris Chadwick, a good friend of mine who pastors in San Diego, I asked him, we had a conversation about you know, people leaving and going to find God's will and things like that. And I said, he, Ken Ridge turns 20 years old this, this uh, winter. I asked him, I said, in 20 years of pastoring, how many people have followed God's will to a pay cut? And he goes, huh. He sat there and he goes, let me, let me count. Here's what he said. In 20 years, let me count. He said, two. Hmm. Interesting. It's always interesting to me that when people say, oh, this is definitely God's will, it always, inc always includes a pay increase. I never heard somebody say, I'm taking a pay cut, but I know for a fact this is where God wants me to be. Very rarely, aside from the people that have chosen to stay here. And, and again, the people, I could name you a dozen people right now who have just trusted God by faith, have turned down jobs, have turned down pay uh, raises to be here because they believe in what God's doing at Huikala. You know why? Because they realize, I can be rich in the middle of nowhere with no connection to God or His church or His people, and I'll be utterly miserable. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to push carts at Costco if it means a part of being a part of the family of God here and serving Jesus in this place because God's doing something special here. I love that spirit. I love it. 
And again, that story could be told a dozen times of people who have said, I'm willing to follow God regardless of what that means. So if you want to be rich, <laughs> I don't recommend it. Well, it's easy for you to say you've never been rich before. There's been times in my life where we've had more money than we knew what to do with. 20 years ago, it didn't make me happy. But I'm telling you this, I spent the last 20 years of my life chasing true riches, and I'm telling you this, you can have all your money. Uh, I wouldn't trade a thing that I've got for it. doesn't make you happy. So I challenge you with tonight, is it a sin to be rich? Nope. Just don't set your heart on it. God blesses you. Use what you've got for the kingdom. Use what you've got to bless others. Use what you've got to do good. That's fine. Not a sin to be rich. But if you set your heart on riches, you really, really want to be rich. You're going to chase after a dollar, whatever it costs you. Please understand, you've crossed the line. That's sinful. It doesn't please God. It doesn't honor God. So this week, let's do this. Let's chase after true riches. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.